Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I was on the 401, and there wasn't that much traffic, but I was pretty far away. That was more than five words. And Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Get that garbage out of here! <laughs> Toronto Sport Matters, podcast number 68, where we joined with the tripod. All three of them are right in front of me. We got Gregory Euroshottis, Mr. Christian Wolfgang Graffin, and Javon Kyle Bigart. Boys, how are you doing today? Great. S- splendid. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> three you, great adjectives. There's not much to really talk about in the world of the NBA. I guess the playoffs are happening right now. There's a lot to talk about in that sense. Say. Obviously, I'm fucking... Being sarcastic. Jesus Christ. Sarcasm. Uh, fooled me. I get it. Must be that anal fistula. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, alrighty. Let's, uh, let's, let's break it down. So, obviously, this is the Toronto Raptors podcast, and we're going to talk about Raptors basketball. Just closed out uh, the Orlando Magic Series in five games. Lost the first. Closed it out emphatically last night. Uh, what are your thoughts and impression of the game, Greg? Well... I thought the first game was a blessing in disguise um, in the sense that it woke up our defense. A lot of people put the put the blame on Kyle Lowry for that. And, you know, at the time, even me, I was saying, look, we can't win if our starting point guard doesn't score. But realistically, we probably still could have beat them if our defense was better in that game. Yep. And um, so that, to me, I don't take too much out of this series. All those teams, like, this is what I was saying from before. The first round you know, it's it's made me actually agree with Graffin that that the playoffs need to change their format, right? right? And maybe even like bring it down to five games, right? Because this, the, it was just kind of it was a bit boring to be honest, because the games were more there's no parody, man. Yeah, look at look at the series in the East, four one, four one, four nothing, four nothing. Yeah, in yeah. comparison in the West to the right now, four one, four one, four nothing, and it's going to be the Nuggets and the Spurs in the only series that matters. Yeah. Well, yeah. look at the NHL yeah. for example, right the now. Tampa Bay Lightning, the consensus favorite to win the Cup, got knocked off by the Columbus Blue Jackets, who scraped together to get in the playoffs. Yeah. You're seeing a ton of ton of upsets in the NHL. Unfortunately, yeah, you're not seeing that because in, in, the NBA. in, in hockey, you run into the hot goalie. Like individual star players don't matter as much in basketball. You just don't get the upsets as much. Right? And they have playoff, uh, you know, issues on their own, right? Like the Leafs have faced the Bruins now. How many years in a row just mm-hmm. because of the, way the playoffs are designed. Our, so I don't think it's a perfect Leafs. system there either. In and the they NHL. have the hard poor cap Leafs. in the NHL too, right? Yeah. So teams are prevented from spending yeah. a yeah. certain amount of dollars. No, that's but, a great point. But, that's a great but, point But, as but well. just to, so, so the wrap up there, Brandon, I don't think we can take too much of it. What I am excited though to see is A, playoff Kawhi because he definitely had another gear. We've seen, yeah, we've okay. seen playoff Kawhi. Yeah, and I love and it. And, and, and yeah, uh, but, and also to me, uh, yo, 
Marcus Gasol stripping DJ Augustine, baby. Well, not to mention Vucevic, who was an all star this year. Nothing. Looking like he, he's a bench player, looking like he's nothing. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, super impressed with Gasol defensively. So those are my two, the two things that I've. So for me, I think okay. So I'll try to go like as negative as possible because I think the series went as good as as good as it could have been. But if anything, it's Danny Green sort of not shooting well. Um, I think that's he didn't really play well all series, and that He's was kind streaky. of a concern. Uh, I think Norman Powell was the one who stood out to me as playing the best was, off. The that bench. was going to be my third thing. What's that, what's new there though? He's been doing that every playoff. I, I agree. Nor, yeah. Playoff P, right? And then nah, the, last the, year, not as much though. Right? The wonder I have is how we're going to integrate OG back into the into the lineup once he eventually is ready in about a week or two. Hopefully, well, I was talking hopefully. to Wayne about this today. Realistically, we're not looking. It's not looking like he's going to join the team up until the Eastern Conference Finals if we do take out Philadelphia. Is that what Wayne Parrish said? Correct. That's and you no ba- ba- Bruce Wayne actually. <laughs> the Batman himself. Shout out to Shout, shout out, out to, to Batman. <laughs> shout out to Wayne, man. Absolutely. Uh Javon, any impressions? Sorry, Christian, I kind of cut you off there. Do you have any last uh, comments no, regarding the first round? No, no, no. I, I think it was good to see Patrick McCall come back for the last game mm-hmm. or the bench got minutes. I think it w- like you said, the, the series was kind of meaningless. I, I think we all knew we were going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to Philly. Well, even that first game as well. You know what I mean? Like you can see the small mistakes, the small chinks in the armor, but the things that can obviously correct come game two and we just close that fucker out really quickly. And that's what I love about this game last night because we didn't just squeak by. We didn't just put a passive effort against the Magic. We like just pedal to the fucking metal and just embarrass those fuckers. And Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think we played better basketball than necessarily. I think we just have a way better team than them. And I think... By everybody just coming out and playing their game, we're easily able to dominate them. So I think yeah. if, we, if, we, if we play a team that's close to us in terms of um, talent and skill level, I think you'd be seeing completely different Raptors, and that's what I'm scared of. Well, speaking of uh, like a, a, a talented team, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be our second round matchup, Javon. Yeah. Um, you talk about a team that's made massive improvements mid-season. You're talking about the acquisition of Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, etc. Yep. Scott's look fantastic off the bench. They're really hot right now. They look, uh, Embiid is injured, but they seem like they're performing better without uh, Embiid in the lineup. Sims has kind of embraced that alpha dog role. What's your thought about the Raptors matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers? Sixers, and do you feel like we can close them out, or is this going to be a lot closer than people expect? I think it's going to be a battle of the boards. I think who's ever who's able to dominate the paint, both offensively and defensively, is going to have a huge advantage in this series because there's going to be a lot of bricks being thrown up, a lot of hail marys, a lot of shots, and whoever's able to get the offensive rebounds or the defensive rebounds and establish that presence. Mm-hmm. Those that team is going to win the game. Whoever I'm telling you, if you look at the stats at the end of this series, whoever has averages the most rebounds per game is going to be the victor, guaranteed. And how do you match up in that in that scenario? Like you and know, that's my problem. We, this, is, this is where my beef comes in. Right, but we've had this conversation plenty of times when all three of us, or all four of us rather, on the pod, uh, the Jonas Valanciunas, Marcus Saul comparison, Marcus Saul kind of being the contingency plan to be able to have against Mar- or Joel Embiid in the playoffs, you know, I wouldn't say we necessarily got Marcus Gasol for the pure intention to have someone who can play Joel defensively. Um, but, but do you think Marcus Gasol can stack up, insert Mark and Serge stack up against Joel Embiid if he does come back? Or in retrospect, do you think Jonas Valanciunas would have been the better player to keep in this potential match, in this hypothetical situation? I mean, Jonas Valanciunas before in the past has always been able to get it done. But I think the Raptor squad in general has always just had Philly's number. And mm-hmm. I think Marcus Gasol won't be at even if he is a downgrade, I don't think it's even remotely a substantial downgrade at all. Mm. I think it's very, very minuscule. So I think Marcus Gasol will be able to sort of contain as much as possible Joel Embiid. But for me, the the exciting matchup is Kawhi on Ben Simmons because all, all series long, he's completely shut him down. 
and he hasn't been able to do anything. So the addition of Tobias Harris, like you were saying earlier, is going to be the, the the to me. You said rebounds. To me, I think it's going to be three point percentage. Mm-hmm. I quick quickly uh, just with Kawhi Leonard. I read a stat this morning. I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's something within. The line of Kawhi Leonard is a career 13 or 14 and 0 against the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. Just kind of keep that in mind. They yeah, also never win. They it's never win good. in Toronto either. It's been yeah. what, they, they, over three, four, four years or now since they've won yeah. in Toronto. So. Especially during the process years, they definitely weren't winning. Yeah. Um, just okay. So a couple things uh, to both your points. First, to Jovan's point about the rebounding, which then connects in, uh, because the last time we played them and we had JV, JV took it to Embiid and it provided, like, JV is an ogre, yeah. and he's able to match up with the size of, of Embiid and actually make him work defensively in the post. Okay, Gasol, now to Grant's point, Gasol can't do that, and he can't rebound with him, but what he can do is, right, so he can't score on him in the post, but what Gasol can do is is match up body for body on defense post position, and which I think is important from a rebounding perspective because rebounding, if it's going to come down to rebounding, we're going to lose the series because yeah. they are a better rebounding team. But don't forget, Marcus Gasol is going to be out on the three point line. This is what I was, forcing, and that's what I was exactly, going to say, forcing so, Embiid to come out. Exactly, but easy though. But that is but, but to me, like I've been impressed with Gasol's three point shot. Same. It has looked nice. Same. It's a quick release. It's a quick release, and it's been on target. Yeah, I wouldn't bank on it being there in you know consistently. What? It, but no, but it, it has been. It has been consistent. You know what? His mid-range game is more inconsistent than his outside shot. Yeah, no, definitely. And and, and so the the Sixers might have to make that decision. They right, like, do they want Embiid going out there to guard him, right? But that's really the only hope to keep that monster off the glass because Gasol does. He doesn't. Ha- he doesn't have quite the, the the monster size, but he is a great positional defender, mm. right? And I'm really interested to see can our ball movement carve up this big Sixers defense. Because they've never even played us with Marcus Saul. They haven't? Oh. All of our games are before the trade? Yep. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the Sixers are going to have to live with somebody taking the shot. And if they have to live with anybody of the Raptors five, it would be Gasol, especially from the three-point line. That's not something that, that that's something they would be comfortable giving up. I mean, statistically, in the 19 game or 26 games he played for the Raptors this year, he shot 44% from the three. That's good, man. That's uh, good. But and, and it's on a high volume. That's how how much shots has he taken? That was an average of two. Two a game. Him. But how much rebounds has he given us? Mm, very little. And that's my problem. I don't need my big to be shooting 44% from the three-point line if he's not giving me anything under the basket. Uh, yeah, but, I I mean... I, I'd, I'd appreciate those stats if the rebounding and the paint presence was there. Like yeah, I like those you, things in a, you, an auxiliary thing. The funny thing is, if you look at Gasol's career and you go like a per 36 minutes, yeah. he's averaging 8.2 rebounds. Which no, is, I don't care about which career. Is, I know, but I'm just saying he's that's the most from, in his career. Which yeah. isn't, so it's not like you could have expected more than that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's something but that I knew. In the in the first up. series, how much did he average? I think it was like four or five rebounds a game. But like the first series, we didn't really like. Again, the guys didn't play in the fourth quarter. We didn't really need. Well, but it's a sign. It's a sign of 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 that that player's characteristics and his inability to be a presence on the glass. Like yeah, he's not, he's not a great rebounder. He's not. And that's but my problem. Boy, can he guard against the high pick and roll? And he's strong enough to block. Dude, dude, in there. DJ Augustine three times in the series. Little DJ Augustine. This is a big man. DJ Augustine is not a perennial. He's not a perennial point guard. Who I'm going to say. You're right. It's about his quickness, though. Yeah. He 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 has the quickness of hands to be. He gets in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah, He's smart. I'll tell you this much. Gasol, I've I've watched the games. He's good for one adjustment. So once the pass is made, he can adjust to the 
the the wherever the ball went. But when that ball gets swung again and he has to X out and cover a next guy, he's not there. That mm. guy's always open. Mm. He has one adjustment in his defensive repertoire. A lot of players, like a guy like Siakam, a guy like Ibaka, they have like two to three adjustments where they can switch, switch back, switch again. But based on so, based on purely athleticism, you mean? Athleticism, exactly. Okay. And just being able to move quickly. And I feel like after Gasol makes his one switch or his one adjustment, like he feels like his job is done. And then he just relaxes. And then most times, like, he's out of position to even grab a defensive But can board. I tell you, out of any lineup in yeah. the whole NBA, the Raptors starting five has the highest plus minus. By a lot. By a lot. Right? That's starting, you know, because really it comes down to, well, who are your best five players then? Yeah. And that starting five. Yeah. The, I, the Siakam, and the thing about rebounding is Siakam and Leonard give you a lot. They're very capable I of I think our front court is the best front court in basketball. Mm-hmm. Am I who who's better? So would you, you would say the Warriors, but Demarcus Cousins is is now gone. Yeah, so potential upgrade over there. Markeith Morris and Dwight Howard on the Washington Wizards. I mean, oh, <laughs> that's a good one, Brandon. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> For me personally, I'll tell you this much: I'd rather have Ibaka starting at five than Gasol, especially the way oh, Nick Nurse no. has it like more of a consistent thing where Gasol starts every single game. Whereas when JV was in the picture, they'd switch and mismatch based on the person who you were playing. In this series, you would start. In this series, you would start against Embiid, Ibaka. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I would. I, but, I just okay, want to see the difference, dude. But but okay. But the difference to me is that you can't run offense through Ibaka. Yeah, exactly. Like he he travels and he fumbles and he, it's just not as fluid. Yeah, no, you're you know not I mean? right with that. Yeah, I love I love the chemistry between Kyle Lowry and Marc Gasol. And honestly, I feel like even Leonard has good like Gasol just plays well with other people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's almost like he was brought in to to accentuate the other players that the Raptors have. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like we made the decision we're not gonna want big points from our center. We want playmaking out of our center. Mm. Get what I'm saying? It was like yeah, they made yeah. that decision, so that gives us more shots for Danny Green on the perimeter, more touches for Pascal, more touches for Kawhi. Right? Mm-hmm. Some of that can create plays for Kawhi. Definitely. But he definitely has that over JV. But I'm still not satisfied with the rebounds. Alrighty, switching it's, it's up true. topics quickly, guys. Just to kind of mention Kyle Lowry kind of finishing off the series on a hot note. Uh, sh- shooting a little bit better than game one, to say the least. Uh, quick last comment uh, regarding the Raptors. What was your impression regarding Nick Nurse's first performance as a head coach of the Raptors in the playoffs? Uh, were you fine with adjustments, his scheming? Uh, were there any things that you didn't like from him as from the coaching perspective? I think the adjustment after the loss was really impressive mm-hmm. because, again, it, there was a lot of pressure. Like, the Raptors notoriously have lost game one. It's very easy for them to have gone down the rabbit hole and said, look, that's the, the players don't matter. It's the team. It, it, there's something against it. But I think just the ability for him to come out, and we we dominated the rest of the game. Yeah. I know there was one other game, I think it was game four, that was kind of close. But other than that, like, everything I saw offensively, we didn't have to play our greatest, our best players in the fourth quarter. No. Um, so for me, specifically... Uh, I, Again, kind of like what Greg was alluding to, the chemistry, I think. Mm-hmm. Just the chemistry between that team. Because again, Marcus Gasol is still new on this team. He's played like under 30 games with the Raptors. So to see him slowly gel with Kyle Lowry, I think it was perfect. It was good that almost that it went five games. Mm-hmm. Just because I knew we were going to win. Right. It's like they needed that extra that extra game. Yeah, exactly. More reps. It was a gentleman's sweep. Like you could look at the, like Greg always kind of talks about this, but like the, the mainstream media, A, doesn't really have much of a discussion regarding the Raptors in the first place. 
nor did they give them much love. Uh, and the, the uh, consensus after, and the consensus after that first game, though, when we lost against the Magic, there wasn't any fear or you know, waving the white flag. Right. I think the consensus was, you know, we, we saw what this team can do. We know what they're capable of doing. They're going to come back game two, guns ho, and they're going to close the series out. I was mentioning a little bit earlier. Um, Alrighty, let's switch. So I was going to say the only critical thing about him in that series was the, how much he used Kawhi in game one because mm-hmm. we lost and everyone was like, 33 minutes. Yeah, that's, minutes. That's a little And then the rest of the series, we used him about 33 minutes and we dominated. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't think it was that critical at all. We'll probably see an uptick in his minutes per game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Moving into the second quarter, we'll talk about the Western Conference because arguably the greatest shot I have ever seen in my entire life went down last night when Damian Lillard... 47, 50 point, close that fucker out in Portland. A uh, little fun fact about this, because I know Greg's a massive Russell Westbrook fan. He's a, 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 we can have this debate right now. We can have this conversation just quickly. Damian Lillard, 11 three-pointers in that game, game five last night. Franchise record. Russell Westbrook, 10 three-pointers in the entire series. I know it's not his game, but that's more of an indication of what his limitations are as a player. Uh, Christian, the floor is yours. What is your uh, thought about the series? Uh, well, okay. I'll just put. A, I'll try to put a bold statement out there, but I think Damian Lillard is top three point guards in the league this year. Oh, for sure. Like you include season. James Harden as a player. I do. I would put Curry, Curry, Harden. Curry Harden, and then Lillard well, above Curry. I'm I was sorry, thinking about Kyrie, this last night. One hundred percent. Above Westbrook. Yep. Above obviously Ky- Kyrie Irving. Hard, yeah. hard to argue with that. Just in terms of the output, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, OKC. I was talking to Greg about this a little bit earlier. I think they got totally outcoached this series. I, I think uh, at the end they were up by what fifteen in that in that last game. In with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Russell Westbrook still running down the floor, not wasting any clock, putting up shots, well, getting turnovers. Like there's no coaching. That's like, what they're talking about last season as well, though. Control over him. That's what we're talking about last week or last year with Terry Stotts when he got swept by the Pelicans for nothing. They were talking about a coaching change. What happened this season to flip the script? Because you're talking about pretty much the exact same roster, with the exception of the inclusion of a guy like Ennis Cantor, minus Nurkic. Minus Nurchik as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is, is it just, is a Dame getting to another level? Is it a team just developing continuity and consistency? Because the thing for me, the thing I've been kind of echoing the last little bit and why I love the Portland Trailblazers is a continuity. You know what I mean? The same team, the same backcourt, never getting, giving up, never losing your confidence in your current core, sticking together as one singular unit. Not like a fucking super team. You're not seeing Dame or CJ jump ship and sign up the Golden State Warriors or just join another trifecta. They stuck together for years since they got drafted and you're seeing the paid dividends right now. Yeah. You you know what the, but that series, and I watched the whole series, you know what that series reminded me of? When the Raptors played Washington uh, last year, and what we beat them in six, right? But the games were close, and they had this like rush point guard in John Wall, and we had this good backcourt. And you know, you ask about um, what changed for Portland. I think getting sw- and just like how the Raptors, you know, got embarrassed in playoffs past, and those two guys came out this year. You know, I remember like. Kevin Durant was saying on like a podcast like, "Oh, you guys think you can get to the finals to Damian uh, to not Damian Lillard to CJ McCollum?" And he's like, "Well, how are you going to say that? You're disrespecting me so openly. How are you going to right?" And they kind of took it. They had a us against the world mentality, and they had continuity. Um, and in addition to that, um, they brought in players that made their bench stronger. And some of these other guys, like Al Farouk Aminu, uh, like I like, you know, Seth the Curry. villain Evan Turner. Yeah, yeah, like Pride of Ohio State. The guys that the guys that we have long said were were over, you know, priced contracts that they got. Remember a few years ago, we thought that they'd be a little like we thought that they'd be a top team, and then they didn't quite get there. 
Well, it's, right? you know, loading up on the Alan Crabb contract, which they flipped to Brooklyn as well as you know, also, like, right, giving Evan Turner, Turner the I mean, $18 million a year contract. So, you know, they got deeper. And also, right, with Nurkic, and they were able to substitute that with Cantor. Um, and with Cantor, you saw him playing with a lot of passion because, you know, this is, uh, you know, Billy Donovan said that he couldn't play him. But, and if I could here, you know, you mentioned, I actually think that Russ, Russ didn't play an out-of-control game that much. Um, no, but he played a bad series. You I, know, he didn't play a great one. He had a couple triple doubles. Uh, well, that's I, a, think let, if, I think if Paul George was that, That's healthy, the most irrelevant listen, fucking listen, side ever. Listen, Fuck listen, the triple listen, doubles. Listen, Fuck the not, triple doubles. I never want to hear this again with Russell Westbrook. Yes, it is. It's hard to say he played a He's lost. series. Greg, you're, 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 you're bringing up the conversation of triple doubles right now. Who gives a fuck about triple doubles? Because the last three years, you know what I know? He's lost in the first fucking round. Okay, you could talk about his individual accolades and the amount of numbers that guy puts up on a nightly basis. The fact of the matter is that that guy is not conducive to victory. He shoots his team out of games, and that guy fights for rebounds, steals rebounds from his players. Game in the end was because he clawed them back into it. Sure, now, and they still you, lost in five. Paul George didn't have the, the shoulder problem that he had, then he could actually shoot a three. And if Russell Westbrook was surrounded with shooting, that Thunder team would be much better than they are. Or if Russell Westbrook developed a jump shot, they maybe no, might have won the game. Giannis doesn't shoot jump shots because Giannis is seven foot tall, who glides like a six foot tall point. No, but guy. it's the same kind of concept. Like like LeBron James was never an amazing shooter. His shot developed. Yeah, but his size and his older. physicality allowed him to be a different type of player. Just Russell Westbrook like maybe he's six foot two, six foot three. There are limitations oh, in that size. But he of a gets player. in, but but he can penetrate easily, right? So he can penetrate easily. He, he, he did, shooters around. You. He did shoot thirty six percent in the series. Like that's not three points. I'm yet. talking thirty six percent field goal percentage. That's in inexcusable. But yeah. if you look at Russell Westbrook, like he played the entire game, whereas a guy like Kawhi Leonard played like thirty minutes. And if you were to like average out Kawhi's uh, production for that forty five minutes that Russell Westbrook put up, he'd have a triple double as well. So it's not like exactly. Russell Westbrook is you know arm and arm and head above like the competition. It's just that he plays so much more. That his his volume of how, and that's like more of a test with the Billy Donovan play, as well. How many players can play an entire game? And like that's that. an ode to Russell Westbrook. But I do think that at this late in the season, you started to see the attrition. Like I'm looking at Russell Westbrook; he's not looking as as explosive because he had some injuries this year too. He exactly. never really got on track. And like I'm looking at him drive to the basket, and there's been so many occasions where it's just like. You know, before like he would dunk it on somebody, or he'd yeah. go up for a layup, and he's just losing the he's losing the handle, and I'm yeah. just like nobody was there, and you're losing the handle, and it just yeah. seems like you know the attrition is taking its toll on his body, yeah. and like you know I, I I liken him to a guy like uh, Derrick Rose back in his heyday, like Derrick Rose was the greatest, and then he just most fell athletic, off. yeah, most athletic, and and I always used to say like this guy's too explosive for his own body, he's yeah. too athletic for his own body. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I and always said that Westbrook's yeah. going to be one of the biggest fall offs. I think yeah, and, and I think going to go and he does nothing else. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, lots like, of players have developed jump shots as they age, and I think, but his jump shot was better before. And that's the thing, right? Is the, so he has it in him. But look, if I could just say, so uh, I Westbrook definitely takes uh, a part of this, no doubt. Like he didn't have his best series; he hasn't had his best season. This being said, he still had a triple double. It wasn't his best season, and that's not meaningful. Yeah, but that's also oh, wait, hold on, hold on, let me the relevance of the stuff. I'm saying well, who, what also needs to be taken into account is that team isn't constructed very well around him. Right, like the, again, it's how hard to not It was constructed around. great around them. They just need shooters. They don't have any shooters, and they shoot a lot. That's the thing. Yeah. They, they they have a team without shooters, and they shoot a lot of threes. You're right. Makes sense. And, and, and Steve, they don't have a again. Team that, it goes back to the coaching, coach, doesn't it? They and Steve Adams had a horrendous series as well. They don't have a coach. Also, to, 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 on, to on, your on, point, on, on the on the going. Sorry, they don't have a coach that can rein him in. Like they're playing hero isolation. Ball. Exactly. Yeah. But again, like at some point, like the coach needs to take ownership for that. Yes. Right? And this is what Shaq was saying on 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 uh, inside uh, the NBA. Right? He's like, yo, like 
this is the playoffs. Like, you can't be just yeah. running and gunning all the time. There has to be, like, you know, whatever happened to, okay, the fast break isn't on. Let's call a set. They have none of that. But is there a coach that's able to rein in a guy like Russell Westbrook and Paul George and say, listen, this is what we need to do right now. And this is how we're going to win the game. And if you guys are going to play the way you want to play, then this we're going to exit the first round every season. Please, God, don't say Jason how, Kidd. But if you want to play how I'm going to play, Lakers, baby. Then, Lakers. then we'll move on to the next round. I don't think there's a coach out there who's going to be able to rein those guys in because I think those guys it's are just true. too alpha. No, but yeah. Um, that would that, That's an interesting... That's an interesting point. Is there. Russell Westbrook uncoachable? No. Uh, well, it, well, could Jason Kidd did did no, Noster did no. Nostradamus Brandon just predict that Jason Kidd might coach the Thunder? I would. Oh, that would. Or, or, so or maybe, happy. maybe Phil Jackson and Jason Kidd and Derek Fisher. Oh, oh. my God, that's a team. Uh, just quickly uh, going in this, Stephen Adams plus minus. Yeah, this guy's minus 39 in the, in, through five games in the series. So not the greatest performance out of Steve Adams. All right, so but, Portland. But everybody else on Port on OKC was probably a minus as well. In the not to that area. degree, though. Uh, well, he's even the expectation that Steve Adams is going to be the, the, the third fiddle toward uh, George and Westbrook. Let's, let's, uh, they let's, went small. They benched him. Let's Exactly. Let's, uh, let's switch topics here. Uh, the team that might potentially be playing Portland uh, two days from now will be Denver and San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Denver takes that game. They're obviously going to be a 4-2 playing Portland. Uh, what are your thoughts on that series, Greg? Do you have any uh, hope for San Antonio to be able to pull the next I think San Antonio gets out? the next game. Yeah. Um, Back then, home in game six. Yeah. And then I, in Denver say, in game seven. It's in San Antonio, right? And, and Denver was only won once there, they, which is the last time they played. But even in that game, they had to come back from uh, uh, a pretty big deficit. I, I don't know if the Spurs have enough... To, to, to get the, the series in seven, but I think it goes seven. I mean, DeMar DeRozan is looking like a big baby out there. He's crying, yeah. he's crying after every call. Like, play the game, bro. Pull but did that, when that happened, dude, I was like, I've seen that before. Yeah. yeah. Like, like when he threw, you see when he threw the ball at the ref? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, you're not, you're not Kobe Bryant. Like, just relax. No, but he he often, like, this, this is his thing. He would lose his composure yeah. and he would let his emotions. Right, grip but, him. But it's like he feels entitled now. Like I don't get it. Like it's, I feel like there's a sense of entitlement. Like he deserves every single call. Like every time he drives to the basket, like any contact, like he needs that call. And it's just like this is the playoffs. You're not getting every call. But that he's always been like that, right? Like in the playoffs. Like, like my, but, but he's uh, the type of player that tries to manipulate the rules. Like similar to James Harden. Yeah. Right. Um, and he, he's not getting the calls in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. But James right? James Harden makes it impossible to not call. Except for the three-pointers. Like, the three-point calls are just, like, the rest are just, like, I don't know. Like, the NBA is doing something fishy there. No crazy thing about Spurs, though. Like, it's just the, 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 uh, the I'm going to say the evolution, but the emergence of certain guys. Like, I know Derek, Derek White's White. kind of had yep. a couple shitty games recently. But we say shitty, but not high scoring. But dropping 38 in the playoffs, coming Big. out party. Late first-round pick. I know Graf and I were talking about him coming out of Colorado. We're really high on that guy, 30th overall. We're just predicting to be a next Spurs Spursy player. Um, Spursy. What do the San Antonio Spurs need to do to take take them out? Like, I... I I, I I love Denver and I love that team because of their death. Slow I think them down. Slow them down. Slow it on the pace, right? Yeah, like I yeah. don't know, Jovan's the basketball coach here, right? I mean, definitely, definitely. Because it, in the half court set, you can see like the kind of sets that Popovich runs where he gets the shooters open, and then it's just a matter of them getting in flow, getting in rhythm, and hitting those shots. See, that's what OKC needs to do, man. Yeah. They don't run anything. All sorry, they need sorry, is Greg sorry. Popovich. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> well, they, need, they need to be coached. Sorry, um, I'm, I've changed the topic. No, no, because I'm just going to switch to back to Denver side of it, and I think Jamal Murray has been sort of a standout. He had a bad, like the opposite of. 
Derek White, I think, in the first two games it was. And he's sort of come out now and been good. I think he's one well, of the he keys. He had that crazy right? quarter. He, yeah, exactly. Like, again, like he, he can score 15 and a quarter or 20 and a quarter easily. Like He's yeah. one of those kind of guys. And I think Jamal Murray, if he has a good game, I think the Nuggets take it in six um, because they've been hot. Like, I think they figured the Spurs out, honestly. And they're super young, super athletic. And, and that's the and thing. You can see that, right? Down, like, you, one down. team hat is just has more talent yeah. in that sense, right? Like, I, I feel like if, if the Spurs had um, Murray, right, they yeah. would win this series. Oh, if they sure. had, like, a, like an athletic uh, a st- a point guard that, that can put pressure on on the ball better, different different team, man. I like how Pirtle's been playing, too. So, Pirtle's amazing. Remember what I said? All-star uh-huh. in, in, like, yep. three years. Yeah. As, like, a basketball coach, I'm wondering, does yeah. it... When you're going into the next round, like yeah. facing Portland, do you think there's an advantage playing like in a tough series, like seven games and then facing Portland who's had a lot of rest? Or do you think it's better to win, get some more rest and then go into it? So I think for like these professional guys, like I think they're very high on like rest and healing the body and stuff. Whereas like at the high school level, it's more about perfecting your sets, getting shots up as much shots up as possible. Habits, so you're ready. Habits. habits. And like, uh, like in the younger level, it's like these guys don't run out of energy ever. Yeah, they can eat like true. McDonald's and then go play a game and they're f- played the same way as if they were to eat like a healthy meal. Whereas at like the professional level, like everything isn't taken into account. Yeah. So, I so think if you're Portland, you're like, you want a game seven between these two. Exactly. And if you're Portland, like you're happy that your series is done. You're happy that you didn't have to go to overtime. Now you get to rest. You get to recuperate. And whereas like at the high school level, it's about getting shots up in the gym. At the professional level, it's about watching film, looking at adjustments that need to be made, looking at the different uh, matchups that you could take advantage of and all that stuff. Alrighty, jumping into the second series in the Western Conference. Uh, This one's a foregone conclusion, even though both uh, teams are up 3-1. Just a heads up, Houston, Utah tied 20-20 in the first quarter for all three of you guys, not for our lovely listeners. Uh, Houston, realistically, is going to take out Utah tonight or tomorrow or next game or or whatever. Houston, Golden State, foregone conclusion. Is that fair for me to say? Yeah. Okay, so what is your thought on that series, Javon? It's a a pretty massive, massive series you're talking about. Houston, Houston, brink of Game 7 last year, uh, barely took them, barely, like almost beat Golden State last season. Houston was that close. You're talking about a repeat of last year. What's your impression? Do you think Houston has a shot at taking out the... Definitely, definitely. Uh, Houston, last playoffs, they were probably the best team in the NBA up until Game 7 when they lost Chris Paul. And then I felt like coming into this year, they probably took like a few steps backwards. They got rid of Ariza. They got rid of Emba Amute. They brought in all like these next misfit guys. Carmelo. But, Carmelo Anthony, exactly. But as the season progressed, they they've, got, they've, they've gotten rid of like the scrubs. They've chipped off like the loose ends. Mm-hmm. And they've acquired um, uh, Nene. Fareed. Um, no, Nene was there. They got Fareed. They got some Eddie shooters. Jr. They, so yeah. they've put back together what they need, and they've re- reformulated that Dan Tony style of uh, basketball, where it's just up and down, get as much threes up as possible, and they, they have a lot of uh, rebounders who can crash the glass and, and clean it up for them. So I think the you know when I look at this version of the Rockets compared to last playoffs, I think I think they're in the same boat. I think that they could possibly be even better than last year's Rockets team. I and think they are better. I think James Harden is better. Oh, yeah. James Harden is definitely better. He's actually playing a little bit more defense <laughs> bit more this defense, year. Yeah. Also, and the I, fact that DeMarcus Cousins is out for the playoffs. I know, like, not not just the impact that DeMarcus Cousins could or could not have on the starting rotation, but also the fact that they invested a mid-level, mid-level mm-hmm. exception mm-hmm. on a player 
um, on a team that is maxed out every single season. So yeah. those those type of players are absolutely essential when it comes to filling the roster and their bench. So that's another depleted asset. You know, talk about the big guys on that team, uh, like Loney and Bell haven't really been performing. Maloney's had a couple decent games. Again, this is you know like no Zaza Pachulia who's going to fill the center role for that but, team. But you know Bogut. the counter though. The okay. counter, <laughs> and I was about to say that. that the counter would be that like. But they have their death lineup still, and that's what they were going to play against the Rockets, anyways. Yeah. Right. But you make a good point. Like, t- it should like just from a, a a pay and like talent perspective, they that's a talented center that they don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. And now, can Clint Capella then be a difference maker? Mm. So we're also talking about the second unit from Houston as but well. Also, just people to run them off the court, right? Also, you know, those guys about this. come out and and, and light it mm-hmm. up sometimes, man. When when Boogie went out, what'd that mean for Kevin Durant? more shots and you'd rather have more shots from Kevin Durant than you would from Boogie and I actually think the loss of Boogie is a gain by subtraction because he now Mm -hmm. like the amount of uh, focus that he demanded on the offensive end can now get shared between three uh, between Steph, Clay, and Durant and they're way more lethal way more efficient at shooting the ball than a guy like Boogie and I think if you get a guy like Bogut in there right he's gonna do the exact same thing that you're praising Gasol for but you could really get at him on the high pick and roll who uh, uh Bogut? Yeah, like like it's like you could see, see a weakness though. Like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit, but I still but think that he's switch. more conducive towards team success. Yeah, you can switch as Draymond, Clay, or Durant. Yeah, like it's pretty yeah. hard to. to, yeah. to you, you you can hide Bogut a little bit. Yeah, on it, defense from those high. From before those high you girls. make your point, I just want to. The only way that the, that the Rockets beat Golden State, and keep in mind, I'm praying that they do because I'm sorry. Just just to throw something. Like, hold on, is is if James Harden is the best player in the series. He has to be better than he has to be the best player in the series for them. Yeah, to, for guarantee. Them to win. Yeah, I just, think that's the X factor. Just a quick question: We talk about like Bogut putting up a, like a double double on a nightly basis against the Clippers. He's playing against a fucking Avaka Subach. Okay, it's no Clint Capella. Like Bogut is a cadaver. The guy's been in the league for a couple years now. I don't think he's as much he's of a, a liability, this point. man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, Graf. Uh, all right, we're jumping to the Eastern Conference. Uh, we already talked about the 76ers and the Raptors. Any last comments regarding that series? No, no, no. Okay. What was your, what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> the Sixers and the Raptors? Uh, jumping into the next series, uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> Milwaukee and Boston. Um, Greg, I'm going to take the reins on this one because I know that you're a massive Boston Celtics fan. Um, and, you know, you're a massive Mike Budenholzer fan as well. The Milwaukee Bucks. So. Hey, Budenholzer has made me a believer. Okay. No, I always knew that that guy could coach. Okay. But look. Uh, I watch a lot of Celtics basketball, man. I watch a lot of Celtics basketball. I guess if that makes me a fan, yeah. You bleed, <laughs> bleed green, right? I hate that fucking fan leprechaun, hater, man. I hate one. that leprechaun. Look, uh, I actually think that Boston can beat Milwaukee. I don't think that they've played particularly well. I don't think that they've peaked out. I don't think that... I think uh, they don't have a cohesive offense. Mm. Uh, you only saw it in one of the games in Indiana that they were actually cohesive. The other ones, it was just Kyrie and the rest. Yeah. And that exists. Uh Kyrie and Co. Yeah, but here's the thing with Milwaukee. Like, they are vulnerable in the sense that, like, they don't have a lot of players that can create their own shot, okay? Including Giannis. Like, like, like if you drop off on him, right? I'm talking about that mid-range game to get his own shot off, right? But he's he's, he's, he's the next kind of yeah. player where he, he st- he'll still attack the basket yeah, with nobody on no, him and, I, but, and dance okay, around so, him. But if you could just stop the initial penetration and then, like I said, they have a lot of good athletes and a lot of good shooters and it's a good system, but do you have guys that can create in late game situations? Okay. That's one. Secondly, do you have someone that can shut down Kyrie Irving? 
Mm. I guess no, no. I guess no one could shut him down. Right? I think Brogdon is a suitable defender, but for he's him. not playing. He's not playing. He's not back this series. No, no. But I thought I, he's coming back this series. Plantar fasciitis. You don't think Eric Bledsoe? If to me, Eric Bledsoe is the kind of like one of the main people who can slow him down. Exactly. Yeah, slow no, him that's down. So I. So then, to me, that becomes a very big matchup. Yeah. Can because if not, like when you let Kyrie Irving do what he wants, like it's. There, it, it's like deflating when you can't stop the point of attack. Yeah. Right? And I think um, for Kyrie, now it's just a matter of staying healthy and, and staying in game shape because I feel like, you know, there's been so many playoffs where, like, you know, the slightest thing, the slightest wrong move, and, like, he's done for the whole playoffs. Yeah. And I feel like for him, it's just a matter of, you know, being able to be resilient um, health-wise and, and being able to sustain the next four to five games or however many games they would need to win. I feel like if he gets too many bumps and bruises from a guy like Bledsoe who's like super physical, yeah. then I think that would do a lot of harm to the Celtics' chances of, yeah. of being they, Like they don't win unless Irving is the best player in the series. Yes. You know Which what I'm he saying? won't be. So Giannis will be. Who's going to stop Giannis? It was in my mind, they played each other in February. On February, we're getting like maybe Al Horford, Baines can make an effort to do it. Semi Ojale, but there's not too many guys. Is there not too many guys in the league in general that Morris, can do it? I, think I mean, is who they'll end up. Last there. time they faced yeah. each other in February it was 98-97 for the Bucks. Uh, Giannis went got 30 and 13. Mm-hmm. Um, it was six assists too. Like he's kind of the unstoppable guy in this series. Kyrie Irving was def- he only had 22 points or something in that game. So it, if you look at some of their games this season, Bledsoe's done a good job. Mm-hmm. And they've done a good job. I think mm-hmm. it's going to come down to coaching, honestly, because these mm-hmm. teams are so evenly matched and they both have that, you know, well, there's a clutch guy in Kyrie and they're going to want to keep it close the whole and if, game. If that's the and case, the Bucs are going to do the opposite and try yeah. to take an early, take a lead and just run with it. I just see that because they have Irving and Milwaukee doesn't have like again, Giannis is amazing, but his one fault and is that in the in the late game situations, uh, he has trouble creating his own shot if the initial drive is blocked. Mm. So you know what I mean? Just because he doesn't quite have that mid range, you know, like what you see more polished, uh, like how what Kawhi has. Yeah, like there's a, a couple little moves that he can go to to get his own shot off. Yeah. So uh, be, because of that, I feel like in close games, like the Celtics, because they have Kyrie, like have an advantage over them. I don't want I don't want them to win, okay? Mind you, I would like to be Especially Boston, with Jason Tatum Thomas. sort of uh, becoming the Jason Tatum the old uh three-point shot, uh right to the basket, very efficient first round. Gordon Hayward dropped 20 points in the last game to close yeah, up the Gordon series. Gordon Hayward has been a great revelation against the them. Pacers. He's, yeah. the he's, he's playing the best basketball that he's played all year. Brooke Lopez has been playing really well. What happens oh, that's if put, scary. What happens that's if they put Giannis on Kyrie in the last minute of the game? I would love to see Then that. what? Then what's Kyrie going to do? He's going to have to be past it. Mm. Might throw out the court, maybe. Did you say Giannis on Kyrie? Yeah. Oh, Kyrie's just gonna go through his legs. Easy. He might this is not the Monstars. <laughs> I'm telling you, his, his legs are super. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie does some stupid. You know, what I wouldn't be surprised seeing Marcus Smart on Giannis if he plays or Giannis. Isn't he out? Is he out? Yeah, yeah Marcus Smart out. tore an, ob- uh, an oblique muscle or, oh or something God. like that. So, so that's I, another big blow for that's them. the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So that's the problem. That, I guess it kind of offsets each other. That's the problem. The fucking playoffs right now. The NBA and the NHL fall simultaneously together. You also have the NFL draft coming tomorrow, and you also yeah. have baseball. Vladdy Guerrero coming up on Friday. There's so much wow. sports to pay attention to. Basketball is my number one baby, but sometimes you kind of overlook the small subtle narratives in each respective sport. All Brandon, right? who do you got, Bucks or Celtics? I got Bucks and five. In five, yeah, yeah that's I, 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 I don't think they have any anyone to deal bucks with what Giannis can bring to the table. I have bucks and six, bucks and six. Don't be contrarian, you hipster. I'm gonna go Boston and six. Wow, <laughs> my whole thing is that 
Wait, wait, okay. Let's let's, let's let's better team basketball, and I feel like their supporting cast is better for winning. Where Boston is more individual talent. Like I feel like Boston is less inclined to make the extra pass to get the better shot, and these guys want to more take the game into their own hands. Like Kyrie I, yeah. wants to take the game into his own hand. I feel like Tatum wants to take the game into his own hand, and I feel like with those two guys not playing the selfless basketball that you need to in the playoffs, I think it's gonna hurt them. I hope so. I want to. I want to see the the Bucks win. I do. Mm. Um, quick question for you guys: Houston, Golden State, Greg. Predictions. You got to go with Golden State in six. Golden State in seven. Rockets in six. Holy fuck, Javon! I would love to see that. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Golden State in five. Do we have? Do we is have our Raptors? Re- do we have Raptors? Philly predictions. Oh, uh, I got Toronto in seven. Toronto in six. Yeah, I think Toronto in six. Toronto in six. I swear I was thinking before these guys said it. <laughs> I'm not just hopping on the bandwagon. <laughs> J- Jackie, my steez. All right. Uh, so the last, uh, I guess, the topic of discussion we will have today is a little uh, gripe from Gregory Yeroshadis. So um, I guess the the big thing was uh, Russell Westbrook kind of acting like a, safe to say, like a little bit of a fucking spoiled brat dickhead uh, when the last couple press conferences. Uh, sorry, what was that gentleman's name again? The Oklahoma City Thunder beat writer? Barry Trammell. Barry Trammell asked him a series of pretty uh, pragmatic, rational, like just like like not informed questions. Let's say that, okay? And like The last and, press conference, you mean? All the press conferences, okay, the board, yeah, in yeah, my okay, opinion. Yeah. And Russell Westbrook, uh, as everyone kind of knows now, uh, his response was... Next question. There we go. So uh, Steve Kerr kind of piped up quickly and had a wrote, wrote, talk to the athletic about this. And I'll kind of state this. Uh, I just feel that we have to be very careful as a league. We're in a good place right now. Very popular fans love the game, a social dynamic, the fashion. But more than anything, they love the connection they feel to players. I think it's important for the players to understand that's a key dynamic to this league. I don't think there's a healthy dynamic for this league for any player, any team, any local media, any national media. That's always been this stuff. There's all there's always been players and media uh, members having issues and maybe non-responses, whatever. I don't think this is brand new, but we're in an era where there's 24-7 access, and that access is what's driven revenue so much, and players need to remember that. Greg's Gripe, sponsored by Diamond Pizza. Let them hear it. Look, um, normally <laughs> I don't go against Steve Kerr. Okay, Steve Kerr is brilliant. Uh, his father was a diplomat. He he is him and Greg Popovich are, are I would say two two of the most intellectually astute of the See, NBA coaches. Quick quick uh, thing, yes. Steve Kerr. Where was it? Turkey? Um, no, uh, Lebanon. Lebanon, where Lebanon. his father? Yeah, his father died. Inc- insane story. He, he was born there. He was born there in Lebanon. Or yeah, I believe it was Lebanon. Continue. Um, so, look, um, I understand what Kerr is saying. Uh, this, you know, it is about access and revenues. Uh, mind you, if you look back, like, okay, first of all, Russell Westbrook isn't denying all media access. Mm-hmm. And in this 24-hour media age, he, you can, fans have access to him all the time. Yeah, Joe wants pointing at his phone. You can go in and, and interact with Westbrook. So that comment really doesn't make a lot of sense to me, right? If it's from the NBA's perspective and a marketing perspective, right? And But what really bothered me, it's not what Kerr said. It's how the media jumped all over Westbrook on this. Yeah. Like every, because I watch, I watch my gossip shows, right? Every single one of those shows, right? Like, uh, uh, pardon the interruption, first take, the jump, first things first. They all just 
piled on top of Westbrook and they made it into this big like, oh, we're the media. You know, we're here to help and blah, blah, blah. No, do you know what's going on right now in the world? Like all these Trump voters are not making this shit up when they say fake news. Like, yeah, the word is out. Like the news is, is kind of controlled. Right. Like like it's not it's not a, a, a radical thing that some people don't want to be cooperative with the media. And I actually feel for these players because they are under 24 seven like coverage, man, like like to, to have to be on front of cameras all day, every day. Like, yeah, that's what you signed up for. You're a basketball player, but you're a basketball player. You're not a celebrity. And for the most part, Westbrook is pretty engaging with the media. This particular guy, if you look back, like they have a history together. It's one guy. It's one guy. It's not if if, if Westbrook was saying no to all the yes. media questions. Just, that's just, one thing. Just to throw this in the road, okay, really, really quickly, just being a little bit of a contrarian situation. You look about the value of the NBA and what makes the NBA so valuable is how people can identify these players. They're, they're modern. They're, there's, there's so much celebrities in comparison to any other league out there, okay? Look at the NBA purchasing rights, okay? The television contract rights. NBA, $24 billion. NFL, $27 billion. MLB, $12.4 billion. So like about the NBA, you got 450 players. NFL, 1,696 roughly. MLB, 1,200. The NHL, 620 players. You're paying $24 billion, $3 billion less than the NFL for a, a league that has a quarter of the players involved. That's why there's 24 Four billion dollars. Not only the tea, like the, the enjoyment of the game, and, but it's the individuals yeah. that create the and league all, itself. And, though, and how much? And, and how much does that bottom line take a hit? Because Barry Trammell doesn't get his question answered from the Oklahoma. The yeah, Oklahoma. I don't think it's fair to extrapolate that there's some kind of an issue when it's only Russell Westbrook who's doing this. And I think that's the, that's that's what makes the NBA special. That it's not every player that's doing this. It's Russell Westbrook it being Russell unique. Westbrook. Yes. And we appreciate Russell Westbrook for being Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is not famous because he's somebody else. He's yeah. famous because he's himself. Well, I think yeah. the bigger issue at hand is why do we have these mandatory press conferences after every single fucking game? <laughs> yeah. where, like, like who is watching this? When we're, when we're, like, we're, we're watching What's the Raptors. What are talking about? Yeah, do we ever watch the, the, the rebuttal? And can you imagine having to do that for 40 31 fucking times every single fucking season. You play a game, blood, sweat, and tears in the locker room, and you have to sit down in front of maybe 10 media members asking these same sort of overlap, redundant questions every single night you play. Do you want to know what the funny part about that is? There's only been maybe two or three media scrums I've watched this year, and it's all been this series with Russell Westbrook, because I'm interested to see how it's going to turn out with Barry Trammell. Mm -hmm. So like, it's actually, so it's actually the bringing the in more entertainment. It brings in more entertainment to the press conference. Look, the same thing happened in the That's NFL. That's a good point. Yeah, the same thing happened in the NFL. More entertaining, yeah, like. with, with Marshawn Lynch. Remember, he had that no comment or next question or the same mm -hmm. thing it happens to the most I'm polarized so I don't get fine. yeah i'm here so i don't get fine that's what yeah. it was it, it's the polarizing players who get to this point it's it, what jovan said he's it's not what makes russell westbrook he was that already he's it's already got to that it's his brand and i was yeah, good exactly. i was gonna say it was trumbull sorry is that his name Tremel. barry Tremel. Tre barry Tremel. okay barry Tremel. like i was gonna say like he's doing an injustice by not answering his questions he's an accredited member of the journalism community in oklahoma city and he deserves the right to hear westbrook spin on his questions but on the flip side, he's getting more notoriety, Twitter followers, accolades because he's asking his questions the, every single time there's a press what? conference, he's right? He's growing his own individual brand. He's not brand. working for 100%. Human Rights yeah. Watch, Brandon. You know what I mean? He's working in the sports page for the Oklahoma. No, no one's dying because he's not getting his questions. But don't, yeah. but don't criminalize a guy because he's leveraging a pre-existing thing embedded in the NBA, and it's the same thing no, Russell Westbrook leveraging right now. Though. The way that the media then has made this moral and ethical issue about their right to access to players because they're threatened 
by the fact that he's just choosing not to answer the question. But what makes the NBA so distinct and different than any other league and what makes it so profitable and as I mentioned the television rates when he break down the 82 game season the NFL fucking that's a whole different conversation. It's not, is he ac- it's the it's access the players. it's the accessibility of the players though. No, right? but but it's 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 partly that, but it's mostly them playing basketball. Mm. Do you really- and, and now in this age, now we can get access to them, like like you said, through your through a number. There of is things. no. We don't o- even need the corporate media anymore. Greg, there's no other we sport don't. though when you're literally judging their fashion choices prior to the fucking game. I agree with you. No, I I agree with you. And but but and it's not that he's he's blocking himself off to all media. It's just he happens to not like this guy. And if you go back, the reason why, like it goes back to a press conference like in 2017 where this guy was like with Stephen Adams. Yeah with Steven Adams right and yeah, Russell was kind to... of in the wrong there to say like he did misinterpret the question but then the guy kept on going like no I want him yeah. to answer my yeah. question yeah. and he refused to give the mic right right and maybe like maybe this guy's just a douche and Russ knows he's a douche right no, and no, all no. these people in the media are I agree like with jumping that. to demonize Russ and make this like I said make because they're threatened by it right and I, their, their livelihood depends see, on their access I don't think journalists guys. I don't think journalists should ever have to be intimidated by and athletes but there's also know your fucking boundaries and show some fucking respect that's all. That's the only thing yeah. I'll leave it in that. In right? the end of the day, they're 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 paid to, to to write their opinion, right? Like that's what the journalist. Like you're, so you're, just because someone doesn't agree with an opinion, it doesn't mean it gives you the right to sort of you know to shut them out exactly yeah. fully. However, if if you're constantly being kind of a dick about it, which I think almost. See, I think Barry Trammell's been almost more of a dick in this than, than Westbrook. There's has. probably a workaround. There's probably a yeah. way he could have remedied the situation, walked up yes. to him, probably apologized. Yes. There, there's could have exactly. something something could have happened. Yes. And, but he's leveraging the situation for his own benefit. And the same way Russell, but the same writes. the same way Russell Westbrook's benefiting this, leveraging the situation on his, for his own benefit by not answering his questions. They're doing the exact same thing against each other. Look at the they're growing their brand. Like the last one of the last ones he wrote for the Oklahoman, for whatever it is, by yeah. for example, is Damian Lillard is the best player in this series. And this was the game two or game three. Like, you know, like, no wonder what, like, this is the kind of shit that Russ deals with all the time. And so Russell Westbrook knows this, right? And he also knows that, you know, this is an emotional game. Like, these guys have emotions. Like, they're human, you know? And after you lose a big game that where your season's on the line, like, you don't want to be asked questions by some guy that you despise. Yeah. Right? So I think it's up to the reporter because knowing this to act with integrity and you know. act with integrity but also be creative in the questions you ask maybe you ask him a question or maybe I don't know like do something creative where you can get some kind of response out of Russell because the way you're asking it's obviously not getting it done so do something different and like I don't know and just something kind of like on, on the side as well just loosely adjacent with the be Thunder I'm getting a little fucking tired of just the Sam Presti love as being one of the best masterminds in the NBA in the same vein as a guy like Masai Ujiri or Daryl Morey. He's lost Ooh. Kevin Durant. He's lost Serge Ibaka. He's lost James Harden. And what the fuck is he showing with it? He also lost Victor Oladipo. That guy just accumulated yep. assets his entire career, uh, fucked up draft picks, and just never really put together an adequate product beside Russell Westbrook. And also Billy Donovan's a dumpster fire as a head coach. Scott Bucks wasn't that much better as well. You see what he's doing in Washington. I just don't get why Presti gets all this like respect as being this like advanced thinker in the world of basketball. Like I just I, because I'm, they're small market. I think that's the only reason why is because he's he's enticed two superstars to come to a small market and and, and stay and 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 have a, a team that has a future. I think. Right. But I agree with you. I don't think he's done a great job at all. Everything you just mentioned, especially Oladipo, but everything you mentioned has been. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he should step down. Like honestly, 
Like if you look at it, like it's it's not that out of the question. Like, do you think something's going to have to happen at OKC? Exactly, you, shooting, something bro. is going to happen. So you think happen. something's going to happen this season? Whether the GM, the head coach, yes, uh, season, the top player combination of all three, some heads are going to be chopped down. It'll be just like the Raptors last year, where they're going to go. You know what? We're going to have some change, one hundred percent, and maybe well, not they have one of the highest payrolls in the league. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Steven Adams, like you said, makes a lot of money and he was not even playing in the last five minutes of any of those games. Mm-hmm. And, so and, what's the point? And then there's not many either. So exactly. And there's not many blue chip prospects on the pipeline. Terrence Ferguson, Hamadou Diallo don't really move no. the needle necessarily. Right. Um, yeah. It's going to be a, a long road back to relevance for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But hey, on- I, I will say if they had the, uh, their starting small forward, that does make them a dangerous defensive team. And if Paul George didn't have that injury, I don't think that it, things would have ended this way. You're talking about Roberson? I think he gives them, like, because they had to play Ferguson. That kid's not ready for the big time. At least no. he can drain open three. Yeah, I think Raymond Felton should have started over Westbrook. That, that, that would have, <laughs> that's what would have been the difference. If you, Better team player. But you got to give it up He's thick. to Damian Lillard. Dude put a Sun Tzu quote on his Twitter after. Love, about, did like, you see me put that in the chat? Yeah, group? And, yeah. and look, like. He's like my new favorite player, honestly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll tell you Dude. this much. I don't think it was the greatest shot ever. But I do think it was one of the greatest individual what performances fuck, how ever. How fucking salty was Paul George after that fucking I know, game? Just like, oh, it was a bad shot. It was a bad shot. You lost yeah. the game. It was a good shot because it fucking went in. Don't you complain know, you know about what? this. It was a bad shot. When you're going on process, it was a bad shot. But it not was when bad you're Damian Lillard. No, 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 not when you're Damian Lillard. Not when you have 47 it was, it was points. A, it was a bad shot. <laughs> For 99.9% yes. of the league. But exactly what Greg said. Shot like that. Only Stephen Curry and Damian Lillard can take that shot. When you have yeah. 47 fucking points already in the game and you've already drained 10 three-pointers, why the fuck and not? And he just there hit one from that spot. And, and yep. the reason why I say it wasn't the greatest shot is because like they had nothing to lose. It's not like their season would have been done, the game would have been over. Like If you missed it, whatever. We go to overtime, you know, we bang out another five minutes, and then we take home the game anyways. Well, hopefully. But I mean, I was listening... Okay, so sorry, just quickly. I was listening to an interview with Eddie, uh, Eddie House, I believe it was, or Eddie Curry, sorry, Eddie Curry, um, the ex-basketball player. The big center from the New York Knicks? Yeah. uh, Former second overall pick. That guy's still alive? Yeah, he was saying that... uh, (laughs) Not Keon Clark, just relax. He was basically saying that players aren't thinking about that. Like, the question was basically, does it matter if... You know, the, the you're down by one and you're taking the shot, or if the game's tied and you're taking the shot. And he said it doesn't matter. You're there to make the shot. Mm-hmm. Like your mentality is never thinking as a player, what happens if I miss? Yes. It's always I'm gonna hit this. So I don't care if it's tied. I don't care if we're down by one. I'm hitting this shot. When you and, see and the defensive player's mentality is he's not gonna take this shot because he's way too far and he can yep. probably get a better shot. You so see at that point it's like a it's a it's a mental It game was a better chest. decision. If he yeah. got any closer, I would have liked, would have liked to see the Thunder shake the hands of Portland, but that's not who they are. And I'm telling you, they're going to come back stronger. My I favorite, still believe in my thunder. My favorite part about the shot, though, was just seeing... Uh you look at like all these fucking players in the NBA pointing out their veins. I got ice in my veins. I got ice in my veins. Oh no, he this does. guy, this guy just closed out a series in five on a last minute three point shooter no. from thirty seven feet away, and that guy has no expression on his face, just pointing to his veins. Yeah. His fucking teammates are losing his mind, and his canter is about to bury him into the ground. You, and Damian Lillard just has no expression on his Brandon, face. Brandon, just goes bye 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 bye. You know, next round, you know why, fuck though? off. If you, and his son Sue thing, he's got that like East Asian tattooage on him. And if he's re- actually reading into East Asian philosophy and he's like meditating and shit, that is the stuff that Russell Westbrook actually needs to do. Yes. Seriously, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it, he the, to have the composure and the presence of mind. Westbrook needs some soul searching because whatever he's doing is, is not conducive towards Dude, success. He needs to meditate. Meditate so something. He needs, he needs to, to become a bit something. more mindful. Last- he's getting better at it though. Like he actually was in control 
a, for a, a large portion. He lost it in a couple key moments. He gave up a couple fouls, and 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 he charged the rim unnecessarily. Yeah. One, One last that? hypothetical, really quickly here. Like uh, Western Conference Finals, Dame Lillard continues and carries the momentum he has right now into the next series against the winner of Denver and San Antonio. Do you think the Portland Trailblazers, with a streaky, fucking hot, blazing hot Damian Lillard, has a shot at taking out the Golden State Warriors? No. I hate to say it, but no. I do. I do. You and Chuck, you and Charles Barkley. You got you got a backcourt of two guys that can shoot out any team in the NBA. But you know what? I think if Houston can win that series, I think Portland can be Durant, Houston. man. Who who's guarding Kevin Durant? Oh my god. Again, the Evan lack Turner. of respect for Evan Turner oh, is just ridiculous on, on the show, man. <laughs> Physically makes me sick. End it there. All right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a couple. When's the, they release the playoff schedule for the for the Raptors? I I, I read this today. Did, did anyone get? No, no, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. All right, uh, we'll be back next week. for the Philly game. No, party at Jovan's forever. Uh, Jovan's? We'll be back next week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can catch us on... iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and don't forget, if you want to try it out, go, hey, Google, play Toronto Sport Matters podcast. And you have a Google Home Mini, and it'll actually start playing our podcast. Fuck off. It will actually start playing the podcast. Oh, shit. Try it out with your Google Home Mini. I post this podcast on my Facebook, so go on my account and you can watch it there too. <laughs> um, you can catch us at T Sport Matters on Instagram. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Go, raps, go. Oh.